Well, this morning, I, I, I want to talk about the uniqueness of Jerusalem. And obviously, you know, if y'all been keeping somewhat tabs on the news, you know, the war going on in, in Israel and uh, along the Gaza Strip, but also there's other fronts to be watched, like the northern border where the Golan Heights is along Lebanon and Syria is actually a much more... Uh, could be a much more dangerous situation if you have if people decide to attack and invade from that from that front because it's uh, Lebanon and parts of Syria are, are hostile towards uh, Israel you have parts of Jordan that are hostile towards Israel not all of Jordan obviously Iran's hostile um, and you just all of these, I mean, there's about, I think, the last, last number I heard, there's, there's something about, there's around like 50 jihadist groups in the Middle East that are basically uh, proxies for Iran and, and other countries that, that hate Israel. And so they, they're... Their goal is not is to restore the Muslim Caliphate, which is the Ottoman Empire, and so all of that area that the Ottoman Empire had conquered, which included Constantinople and Jerusalem, and you know, and that's why the Crusades were fought. They want to reestablish that, and 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 out of the words of the Hamas leaders' mouths, is they don't just want Israel; they want they want world domination. They want the whole world under. Uh, Islamic rule. So that's why when you have you have all of these protests popping up in, in big cities because you have uh, devout jihadist oriented Muslims within those cities. It's not every Muslim, but you have portions of that Muslim population that are jihadist thought of. And so when so they're, they're taken to the streets. Hamas called for a day of rage. And I was just like, listen, if your religion is calling for a day of rage, you know, you, you don't know the true living God. And, and, and Jesus is, you know, here's the thing is Jesus is coming and, the, and all the nations will be under his rule. But he's the righteous king. He's the king that sets people free. And, and you have... Islam, where you know it's it's a it's a religion of of death, really. So you you're uh, glorified for martyrdom, and you're it's you're commanded to kill the infidel, and so it's it's really a a religion of death. So, anyways, um, why is Jerusalem such a a hot topic? Why is it? Why is it polarizing? And so you have, basically you, you kind of go scan through history and the two most polarizing issues in all of history have been Jesus Christ and Israel even before Jesus. And still now, um, if, if I were to go up to Chris, you know, and he was working the, the register at some store and, I said, hey, God bless you. Most people will be like, hey, thanks. You know, or receive that. And I said, if I said, Jesus loves you, 
Some people might receive that, but other people, but when you talk about, hey, Jesus bless you or Jesus loves you, it's a little more, it's a little more offensive. Or can I pray for you in Jesus' name? Some people might not let you do that, but Jesus is a, and Jesus said that. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And so he talks about that I bring a dividing line. I am polarizing. You're either for me or you're against me. And he, he who is not for me is against me. And so there's not a, there's not like this kind of straddle the fence thing that Jesus does. He doesn't do that in our personal lives. I mean, that was, that was me for years growing up in church, uh, knew about salvation, straddling the fence, still wanting to do things I wanted to do and, and then claim the perks of Christianity, which was getting saved from hell, you know? So, um, but the Lord had, he spoke to me very directly. He said, I'm not going to give you any freedom until you give me all of you. And so he doesn't do neutral. He doesn't do like ride the fence. And so that's why he's polarizing. And that's why the land that he's attached promises to, and even attached as we're going to see, this is going to be a lot of like content and information today. This is like more of a teaching than like a preaching, but it's stuff that we need to know. It's stuff that, um, as, cause this is like, what's going on in Israel is this isn't going to be the last battle. This isn't going to be the last controversy around Israel. So even Jesus, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that last verse there, verse 39, is speaking of they won't see him again until the leaders in particular of Israel, religious leaders, government leaders are welcoming Jesus as the Messiah, basically saying Jesus is the Messiah. And, and you have a nation saved in the day. Isaiah says, can a nation be saved in the day? And the Lord's answer is yes. And so we're going, you know, if we're living in that time, we'll witness that we're Israel as a nation will be saved in a day is, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty wild. And uh, so, you, so you have, this is God's heart for, think about this. Think about Israel being a, a rebellious child, which God actually describes them as. And as a parent, you never stop loving that child, right? And the day that they, they say, it's just like the prodigal son story. The day they say, I'm coming back to the father's house, the father runs out and meets them and greets them and restores them as if they had never left. That's God's heart for Israel. That's God's heart for us, for anybody that's lost. And, and so Jesus saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you, you kill your prophets, you rebel, you, you murder, you do these things. How, how I wish I could gather you. And, and so we want that kind of heart. We want, it, we want Jesus's heart in every issue and situation. And so we want God, Jesus's heart about Jerusalem, right? What does he say about Jerusalem? What does he say uh, about Israel? 
We want to understand Jesus's heart. And this is, so he doesn't say like, hey, you killed the prophets, you rebelled. I wish I could gather you, but you wouldn't have it. I'm done with you. He says, no, you'll see me again, but this is when you'll see me. When you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So you have Jerusalem as the focal point, basically of human history. You have some rabbis believe that Jerusalem was actually very close to or where the Garden of Eden was. So it's, you could say it's literally the center of the earth. I mean, it's in the Middle East. You, even the way we lay out our flat maps, it's, it's right there in the middle, you know. So you have Assyria, which is modern day Iran and Babylon, modern day Iraq, have always desired it. Jerusalem was the focus of the Crusades and the Ottoman Empire. Uh, those connected to Jerusalem, Jews, are historically the most oppressed people in history. You have the Egyptian slavery, 400 years, uh, enslaved by Assyria, enslaved by Babylon. You have Germany, World War II. And then you have just persecution throughout. You have, I mean, I'm, I'm skipping a whole bunch through the medieval times. You have uh, the Inquisition, uh, which was Jews and, and others, and, and Protestants and that sort of thing. And so you... Uh, you have a, uh, a long history of Jews being persecuted. So you're going to see anti-Semitism rise, um, which is, you've, we're already seeing it. We're seeing it even before this war broke out. But like I said, you got it breaking out on college campuses. This is the thing, Hamas, so you, this is the Palestine and the Gaza Strip, which is part of Palestine, but you, they elected democratically, so to speak. It was basically like other <laughs> countries where uh, it was under the under the guise of a democratic election. But Hamas leaders are the are the government leaders of of the Gaza Strip and of Palestine. And so you have Palestinian civilians who don't like Hamas, but you also have Palestinian civilians who are supporters of Hamas. And so that's why it gets like complicated and stuff because Hamas attacks Israel, Israel is gonna fire back on Palestine. And by the way, they, they warned a million Palestinians, get out of Palestine. We're about to send missiles. And so, but what you're, on some news feeds, you're gonna read that Israel's bombing and killing innocent people. Hamas actually released these videos of them burping Israeli babies, but what they're not saying is that they just killed the parents, murdered the parents, slaughtered the parents, and raped their, their mom. And so Hamas is a terrorist organization. I'm sure I'm speaking to the, the choir, but you, when, when people are out there uh, protesting in favor of Palestine, they're not... They just don't, you're, you're protesting in favor of Hamas because they're, they're, in, they're in charge. And so if you want to, if people wanted to say, we free the, free the civilians in Palestine that don't want to be there because of Hamas, then yeah, that, that'd be great. But, but that's not what they're, they're doing. It's really a Jewish hate protest. 
So you have uh, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem has always been a historically a point of contention. Jerusalem was actually the first city that David conquered. And as you go back to Genesis 14, or Melchizedek, the high priest forever, which is, uh, it's actually, I believe, the Lord Jesus, because he says he, he doesn't have <laughs> any lineage. You know, he's like unto himself. And that he's the king of Salem. Salem is Jerusalem. You, you turn on the news, like I said, there's no other country, city, or people more polarizing than Israel or Jerusalem or the Jews. So why is there so much conflict around Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the city that Satan's government is focused on attacking more than any other city. You go to, we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures, so I'm not, I'm not going to read these, but these are the reference for you. Jerusalem is the only city identified in scripture that the Antichrist establishes his palace. Daniel eleven forty five. Jerusalem is the only city that Jesus warns people to flee in the end time. Jerusalem is the only city on earth in which all nations will attack. And that's the, uh, Joel talks about the Valley of Decision. The, you hear about the, the Battle of Armageddon that's in the Megiddo Valley. That's why it's called Armageddon. It's, it's kind of based off this Megiddo Valley. And that's where the assembly of the Antichrist army with this 10 nation alliance, they gather literally around Jerusalem. So we're going to go through, and this isn't exhaustive, and I'm probably going to send out either in the email or text in church, just resources for you to be able to study on your own that I recommend. And, uh, you know, it's just, it'll be there for you if you, if you want it. But reasons why Jerusalem is unique from all other cities. Number one, Jerusalem is the only city in the Bible in which the Lord declares his zeal for. So Zechariah 8, thus says the Lord of hosts, I'm exceedingly jealous for Zion, another name for Jerusalem. Yes, with great wrath, I am jealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called the Holy Mountain. So it's, it's got a bunch of names, even in Zechariah right here. It says it's named Zion, it's the city of truth, it's the mountain of the Lord, and it's the Holy Mountain. It's the mountain of the Lord of hosts that, and, and the Holy Mountain. So four different names right there in that passage. Jerusalem is the only city on earth that Jesus called his own city. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, don't swear by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Third, Jerusalem is the only city in which Jesus will live forever. This is where he chooses to live. Zechariah chapter two, sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord in that day and will become my people. Then I will dwell in your midst and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will possess Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent all flesh before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. 
So you don't have any other cities that the Bible just focuses on and has all these pivotal things around. There's not Watkinsville, not New York City, not London, not Paris, not Beijing. I mean, there's no other city that God focuses on other than Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the only city on the earth in which the Lord puts his name. I've chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people Israel, meaning the son of David, Jesus Christ. Jerusalem is the only city on earth that is named after the heavenly Jerusalem. Revelation 3. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. I need one of those hats that has the, the straw that comes to the mouth. Um, that wouldn't be, I mean, that wouldn't be distracting at all. <laughs> hey, Christmas is coming. That's right around the corner. I just gave you all a hint. So Jerusalem is the only city that God and the nations will call the throne of God. Jeremiah chapter three. At that time, they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all the nations will be gathered to it. The to Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. So it's all the nations coming to Jerusalem. Nor will they walk anymore after the stubbornness of their evil heart. So this is, this is a, a scripture about the millennium. Jesus ruling from Jerusalem, all the nations coming to it. We're going to read about Isaiah 2 later. But the nations coming to Jesus, coming to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the only city that Jesus will build his temple to, to, that Jesus will build his temple to rule from when he returns. Zechariah 6. Then say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is and he will build the temple of the Lord. Number eight, Jerusalem is the only city Abraham left his home to look for. So you go to Hebrews 11, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, who architect and builder is God. So he's talking about Jerusalem is the place that God, he built it and he's the, de the designer. So even the, the new Jerusalem that will come out of heaven and replace the old one, it's this it's God's idea. Jerusalem is God's idea. It's location, God's idea. And so that's why there's so much attached to it. Number nine, Jerusalem is the only city God has set as the center of the nations. Ezekiel 5, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her at the center of the nations with lands around it. It is the center of the earth, so to speak. It's the center of the nations. Jerusalem is the only city that God commanded all his people to pray for. We've been sending the scripture out a couple times this past week. Psalm 122, verse six, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper 
who love you. So when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, what we're essentially saying is, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And that is what the Bible tells us to do. You have Maranatha and and, uh, 1st or 2nd Corinthians is slipping my, my mind which book it's in, but it's towards the end of that book. But Maranatha means this. It means three different things. The Lord has come. The Lord will come and the Lord is coming. So he has come, which is the first coming. And then the second coming, the Lord will come. So when we're saying, when I, if I were to say Maranatha, it's like the Lord's coming. Lord's coming. And this is what the early church. So you have Gentile Christians entering into the church along with Jewish Christians. So the Jews had, their greeting was Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. But the early church, they started greeting each other because it was a mixture of Gentiles and Jews. They started saying, Maranatha, Maranatha. That was their greeting. The Lord's coming. How are you you doing? It was like the hope. It was the, the blessing. It's the blessed hope, right, that Peter talks about. Looking for the Lord's return. Maranatha. So when, when, if you were to say Maranatha to somebody and greet them, it's, it's just like, man, the Lord's coming. That's good news. How are you doing, man? Like, it's, it's like a blessing that you're, you're saying to that person, just like Shalom was a blessing. And then you also have Re- Revelation 21, the Spirit and the bride say come. So Holy Spirit is currently saying, Jesus, Come. Jesus, come. And the bride walking in the spirit is saying, come, Lord Jesus. So we're coming into agreement with God himself. We're coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit when we, when we say, come, Lord Jesus. Our lives are not over. Like this, And I'm, I'm speaking from like what my previous experience was. was like, I didn't want Jesus to come when I was in my early 20s and I had just given my life to the Lord because I was like, I want to live. Like, I want to live some life. I want, I want to have, like, kids and I want to be married. And I had the wrong idea about it because I thought once I died, I was going to be a ghost floating on clouds with Jesus. And that was going to be my perpetual existence. Instead, I just didn't know enough Bible. I didn't know that, oh, I'm getting a resurrected body. I'm going to be back on the earth. Jesus is going to be ruling from Jerusalem. I'm actually going to be doing things, not just uh, worshiping in the temple all day long. I'm going, to be in, I'm going to be one with Jesus. I mean, it's going to, and the earth is going to be intact. There's going to be fire covering the earth in the sense of there's going to be lots of destruction uh, as the events of Revelation unfold. But you go to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's called me to preach good news. And you start reading down and it says, we will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the former devastations. So in the millennium, we're going to be restoring the earth. And what is it? And when the Bible says you rule and reign with Christ, and he tells the apostles, you're going, to be, you're going to be ruling and reigning. What, is, what does he mean by that? Are the apostles like ruling and reigning right now? No, what he's saying is that, no, you're going to be, I'm going to be giving you authority in the millennium in the new earth. So you're going to be in charge of things. You're going to be overseeing things. 
He who's been faithful with a little will be faithful with much. So, so we're going to have like assignments in the, in the new millennium. And even in Zechariah, it talks about all the nations on the Feast of Tabernacles, which just passed a couple weeks ago. Every nation, every person is commanded to go to Jerusalem and celebrate the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you don't, whatever, wherever you're from, that region, or it may just, I don't know, it may be your house if your neighbor goes to Jerusalem and you don't, uh, you don't receive rain. And so you're, it's a command of God that has consequences. And that's in Zechariah 12. And so you, um, I'm throwing a lot of curveballs out to the side here, but just trying to paint a picture of like, this is, this is not ghost time in heaven. Like if you're, if we're to die before Jesus returns, we will be spirit. But when Jesus returns, it says those who had died before and are on the earth will be called up to him. They'll receive their bodies. And, and then we, we come to the earth with him. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. Number 12, Jerusalem is the only city in which all the nations will come to learn God's ways. Here's Isaiah 2, a very, very clear picture of kind of what millennium life will look like. Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Verse 2, now it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord, which is Jerusalem, will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Amen. Number 13, Jerusalem is the only city that God promised to bless all who pray, rejoice, or mourn for it, not mount for it. You don't get up on horses for Jerusalem, uh, but you do mourn for it. And so you, Isaiah 66, be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice for her, all you, you who love her. Be exceedingly glad with her, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied with her comforting breast. That you may suck and be delighted with her bountiful bosom. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Then you will see this and your heart will be glad and your bones will flourish like the new grass. And the hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but he will be indignant toward his enemies. Just a few more. Jerusalem is the only city in which all nations will come to learn God's ways. Isaiah 2, I just read that passage. And the last one. And these aren't, this is not an exhaustive list. I don't want to take y'all through like 40 reasons why Jerusalem is 15 I thought was enough but Jerusalem is the only city which God establishes as the worship center for the earth Zechariah chapter 14 then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king the lord of hosts to celebrate the feast of booths this is what I was just talking about 
And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. If the family of Egypt does not go up or enter, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of the Booths. So the plague is a plague of no rain. And so these are just a few of the reasons why, and like I said, I know it's just a lot of information, but these are the things where I was like, I, I, we, I have to teach on this because this is the stuff I feel like that we need to know, I need to know. And, and this, we, have to ha- we have to know about what God thinks about Jerusalem. But more importantly, I want us to, to have got Jesus's heart for Jerusalem. So I just wanna pray for us right now that God would impart his heart to Jerusalem for us. Does anybody, that's the question I was gonna ask. Does anybody have any, I mean, do you have any questions or has has anybody ever had a heart for Jerusalem prior to this? I know like Phil Goodwin and Jesse have, but has anybody ever felt like a connection? I haven't always. This is something for me like in the past few years I also was what I called a pan-millennialist when it regarded end times, meaning it will all pan out in the end. But I also realized the Lord doesn't want me, as Romans 11 says, the Lord doesn't want me to be ignorant. And and actually, one of the reasons why I started studying the end times is because I told the, I was talking to the Lord years ago in the car. I said, Lord, I just don't understand why people don't believe in tongues. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. And uh, the Lord said, well, you'll be like those that don't believe in tongues if you don't study the end times. I was not expecting that. I wasn't even subject matter. And that, I was like, well, Lord, I just, I mean, if I love you, I just, you know, we'd be good. And he's like, well, I wrote all this stuff for you because you need to know. He said, if, I didn't, if you didn't need to know it, I wouldn't have put it down there for you. And so it's stuff that we, we need to read, Revelation and Daniel and Zechariah, Isaiah. We need to read this stuff. What is, and what Jesus says about it. You go to Matthew 23, uh, chapter 23 through chapter 25. Jesus talks about it. And Jesus actually tells us in Matthew 24, he's like, you need to read Daniel. He says, see the book of Daniel. Because he's, Jesus is like, it's written down for you. I'm not going to regurgitate everything. So it's important for us to do it on our own. It's important for uh, you not just to take my word for it or to take anybody else's word for it. You, you study, and, and the thing that I've seen as I've studied is it's number one, I'm not scared of Jesus returning anymore like I used to be because I actually thought I was the one coming under judgment. That's Travis's issues back in 2000. (laughs) But Joel says it's the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's the great day for those that believe. It's it's reward day. It's a terrible day for those that don't believe. And when we study the end times, it gives us confidence as things start shaking, 
God, the, re, the, the purpose of God's shakings and judgments and all that is to remove everything that hinders love. It's because Jesus loves us. It's because he loves people. I mean, how many of y'all can, if you can think of a government in the earth that's not corrupt, raise your hand and tell me the country where, it's, where it is. There isn't one. Jesus is, and, and when there's corruption and when there's injustice from the government levels, it means people are suffering injustice. And Jeremiah and in many other places, it says God loves justice. And he is the one that knows how to, to execute justice, not us. That's why he says, don't repay evil for evil. Leave room for the wrath of God. So we're to turn the other cheek. We're to, to give our cloak and tunic. We're to walk a second mile. We're to do all the things that the Sermon on the Mount tells us to do until Jesus comes because he's the one that will repay. He's the one that will bring justice. He's the one that knows what every man and woman deserves. And Paul says it. He says, on that day, you will, you will be rewarded and you will be judged according to your deeds. That's what he means. It's not a salvation issue. It's a reward issue that, that Paul's talking about. So I'll pray for us. Lord, we do pray that you would give us your heart for Jerusalem. Jesus, you, you wept over her. You cried out in anguish how you longed to gather her as a mother hen gathers her chicks. And I pray, Father, for that same heart. Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to, to be like you, conform to your image. And so conform our hearts to your heart regarding Israel, regarding Jerusalem, regarding, Lord, this city, that you're the one, that the architect and builder of this city. And Lord, it's... I confess it's quite foreign even now still to me, Lord. But we ask that you open our eyes, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of your heart that we may know, that we may walk with you in unity with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. So um, if anybody needs prayer, Chris and I are going to be, we'll be in the back uh, to pray for people. I don't know where my DJs went, but uh, we'll put some music on and we'll pray.